listening. You're listening to In My Feels. I'm Emily. I'm JRE. <laughs> we have some special guests here with us today. Um, two lovely producers, both in England or the UK right now. Would you guys please introduce yourselves? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I am Woody Weeks, music producer from London. Thanks for having me. I'm Geek Boy, uh, music producer from Manchester. Nice. Okay. Wait, uh, I wanted to ask, like, what came, what, what made you go with a uh, Geek Boy and Willie Weeks, or is Willie Weeks your real name? It's my real name. Yeah, I haven't really got much of a story on that one. Okay, there we go. Probably I mean, that's my full name is William Weeks, but my brother just goes one day like okay. Willie Weeks. I was like, that's more Sounds catchy good. than Williams. That's close so, for real. I always think alliterative names are really cool. Um, I feel like if you're you're given your if you're a parent, you're giving your kid like a head start in life if you give them <laughs> an, a name that alliterates. Geek, Geek Boy was just I think it was my friend John who suggested the name Geek Boy. I'm really rubbish at coming up with names for That's things, dumb. including producer artist projects or anything like that. But I'm sort of, I'm a bit of a nerd if you hadn't, if it wasn't obvious. Nah. I'm super, <laughs> I'm super into like video games and, and comics and movies and things like that. So it, it felt sort of natural. And also I, I do feel like my music production is probably like, I'm probably as influenced by the music and the video games that I played mm. growing up as I was by the pop music and stuff like that. For sure. Um, and, and sometimes like that, that manifests in like an obvious way, like sort of chip tuny sort of sounds. But sometimes I think it's some more subtle, like a certain chord progression that reminds me of Zelda or something like that. No, that makes sense. A lot nowadays, especially maybe in the last like 10 years, video games has been a big influence in music and in hip hop for real. <laughs> like I've been hearing it everywhere. So before we get into this, for people who may not be aware of you guys, um, you guys have worked with a lot of Korean and Japanese artists, um, most notably SF9 on Good Guy and Now or Never. And most recently, their most recent album, um, story album, if you want to call it that, um, that they just came out with. Also, you guys have worked with Monster X. Um, on Follow and Fantasia, um, and then also Gravity as well. Um, nice. so you, and then you also worked with uh, GOT7 and BTS and Taeyeon and XOCBX and like so many others as well. Hey. Um, and then a Japanese uh, boy band, which our producer, she is a huge uh, fan of Arashi, um, oh. you guys worked with as well. So a huge lineup. Um, that you guys have worked with, but um, um, Geek Boy, you mentioned the Zelda sort of like influence. I think of like good good guy and the eh, eh, no. is that was that like a the intro to it? Was that like a an in inspiration from I don't know a video game? Maybe not consciously. Uh -huh. um, I'm, tr I'm trying to remember the intro for to Good Guy. It's that was fun. Good, good knowledge. Was it? <laughs> yeah, I was impressed. Probably on key as well. You just <laughs> it's this. No, I do. I do remember. It. It's the wah 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 wah. Yeah. Wah. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was consciously thinking about Zelda, but I do think those, a lot of those kind of like seventh chords and stuff, you find them in like you know Ko Koji Kondo's music for Zelda and that sort of thing. I mean. Uh, I probably 
like I didn't really grow up listening to like jazz or anything. So hearing those slightly more kind of complex compound mm. chords, I probably heard that sort of stuff in Zelda before I heard it in anything else. It literally sounds like you like mess with a monster from a, from Zelda's voice and just like warped it each time. <laughs> I was just listening to it now. I was like, you could have just made that up that line and <laughs> sampled the monster from Zelda. Yeah, it really does. That now or never are also are very different vibes from you know Willie Weeks. You worked with uh, or follow you know Fantasia, very hard, intense songs like Monster X normally comes out with. Um, I wonder yeah. with that song or just in songs in general for both of you guys, but Willie Weeks with that those two songs in particular, um, the stage that ended up coming out of it um, with the music video and the performances. Um, was it what you envisioned when you were making the song and what you saw from or envisioned it to be, I guess? Oh, man. Um, I think for me, it's definitely always better because, um, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing when you see a song like finally getting performed live and like people enjoying it. So I guess that mm. always hypes it up more. But um, yeah, I think also when you're writing a song, you always have like in the back of the mind, like, if they were doing this in like a stadium, like what would the intro be in? Like if they had that first couple of notes, would that like get the crowd like hyped just by hearing like a couple of, you know, notes of the hook. So I know yeah. like whenever, you know, good producers are writing, you're thinking about those sounds and melodies that get people excited from the get go. Um, so yeah, definitely thinking about the stage show and like what would make a good entrance and that kind of thing, good energy. But I mean, yeah, you, you can't really like, there's so many different ways of writing songs having impacts on people so just like when you see it when it's done the song's as good as you can make it and then if the reaction's great when you see it live it's that's mind-blowing for me like that's probably one of the best uh yeah rewards of making music just seeing people go off to the the tunes yeah that must feel good like when you while like in the studio you make it and you this was meant for the crowd to get hype and then you see it actually happen into like yeah, yeah. Action, especially yeah. when you've heard it like a million times and you're sick yeah. of the tune and it kind of it gets a fresh <laughs> new lease of life because you're seeing everyone listen to it for the first time or mm, i like that do you do you guys once it comes out do you go to like search for fans like dance covers or just like covers <laughs> of it in general reactions yeah reactions yeah Sometimes I, I am guilty of having a little scroll through the YouTube comments and saying, oh what are people are saying about this song and it's always gratifying when the fans like it of course <laughs> it makes sense i've only watched i think when the monster x singles came out there because there's like quite a few reaction videos so just mm-hmm. saying like there's some funny characters out there man and just like <laughs> oh, seeing sure. especially, like, different some of, i mean not even just the girls some of the guys as well like starting to cry when they'd like see the intro. i mean they're probably crying more at the the members of the band like looking sexy <laughs> than the music but <laughs> and the actual music <laughs> it's, I mean... it's good entertainment though that's always kind of a good way to like check your ego when you're watching a reaction video and uh, and they they're like whoa and you're like yeah my sick drop and they're like that's he looks so hot in that suit <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, that those dance moves there and you're like oh no, okay they, they yeah they weren't shouting about the track they were shouting about the outfits but that's fair enough I always look forward to the drop in like whenever I do a reaction just because I'm like there's so many drops in cave I'm like oh, how are they gonna fool me this time because the, I've been doing it so much that I've like I could predict the drop so if there's a producer out there that could like trick me I'll be like oh okay <laughs> it's a different ball game here 
you, I have you done that on your because that should fully be a, like a YouTube show, like predict predict the drop and then see if oh, you yeah. that would <laughs> you, might give you could have idea. guests on that. That's oh that's predict a, the drop. That's on a this genius song. idea, Dre. You should do it. Oh my god, you can gift it to me, please. <laughs> I, I don't feel I, I don't feel like I invented it. I feel like you essentially said it, and then I fed the idea back. Word, like, it's word. like Inception or oh. something. I don't know. Like, you guys should work together. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do something like that. I don't know if I'll ever do it on my YouTube, but or even I don't know. It could be a collab. All right, let's see. How often do you work with the artists themselves? And if you have, what is the experience like compared to working separate with only the A and R? I've never worked with um, the artist in um, Korea or Japan or. Mm. anywhere in asia mm. uh, definitely in the uk and like in america that's quite common like i'll yeah. probably say the same way you're often in the room um yeah i mean i'd love to i'd love to go over and like even like for the tracking vocals and just to be there for that part of the process um definitely getting closer now where they're like there's some um releases where you're involved in the mix and stuff like that but um yeah, yeah. i never worked with the eye so that's not really okay. a very interesting story for you guys no, that's all good. My answer to this question is very short because I've also not worked with the artists, not not in Asia. Well, then in that case, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think then that leads to like, you know, uh, if you're not working with the artists, like you're not really meeting them, you know, how you must become very close with the A&R and, and obviously the direction that they want you to kind of go in. Mm -hmm. And um, beforehand, we were kind of talking about it, but, you know, you guys in addition to being in the studio together with each other for however many hours for the song camps, you guys will go out, drink, fellowship with each other afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of relationships do you build with A&R? Because we know like, you know, you guys probably network amongst each other, you know, songwriters, producers, and top liners. I don't, I don't know if I can kind of generalize because obviously everyone's kind of different, but the, for sure. I suppose the one thing I really appreciate about uh, like A&R, I feel like A&Rs in Asia in particular, Generally, they, they seem to have like a very clear idea of what they want. And that's, that's just really useful because you don't, you don't have to spend much time second guessing. Like they're, they're, they're clear with, with what they like, what they don't like. And they, they sort of, I feel like in, in the West, there can sometimes be a little bit more indecisiveness. Um, so, so that's something I like about Asian A&Rs. Um, but just in terms of kind of, yeah, like going out and socializing with people and stuff. It just Asians generally are incredibly generous. Like it, it's it's very much part of the culture that you know you're. It's kind of a host culture. Like if you're the mm -hmm. guest, um, they they consider it a point point of pride to take you to really nice restaurants and you know go out for Korean barbecue or fried chicken or something yeah. like that. And so I always yeah, feel chicken. spoiled rotten when I'm in Asia. It's um, yeah, no, I'm always really grateful because um, it's so much fun because I mean, I, I've only I, like I've never properly got to really like travel much in Asia. I'm mm. always just there like in the studio every day. But I don't I don't really begrudge that as long as I get to like go out like for a beer or, you know, yeah. some, afterwards go for some decent food like that. That's enough, really. <laughs> the last time we went to Korea together, like the A&R basically made sure that we went to a different food place every lunch, dinner, like oh. for the, you know, five days, whatever it is. So that was like a big part of the hanging out and the culture. And like, mm. yeah, it's the best part for me as well. Just sure. having those hangouts and kind of thinking about the day and just having a bit of a chill. And you get to know them better. I always feel like drinks always get to know the person better. <laughs> yeah. 
And it means when you come back home as well, like to the UK for us, you've kind of got that closer relationship. And, you know, it can be not, you have to, you have to, it can be like always a bit awkward when you're texting people all the time. But when you know their face and the way yeah. they act and where they are, like, it just becomes more natural and there's like obviously a deeper level of trust and stuff like that. So it's always good for, you know, songs and just the general relationship of the two companies. So that's cool. You know, speaking of like drinks and stuff, what is the most, for both of y'all, what are you, what is your most wild studio story that you can think of? Wild, quote unquote. No, I'm not a very wild person. I'm quite boring, really. I don't know if I've got any particularly... <laughs> I, I can certainly tell you embarrassing studio stories. Let's okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the last time I was in Tokyo, I had a session that I was uh, quite nervous about because it, it, it was for a big, big boy band. And, mm. uh, you know, the, the A&Rs were there and they had rented this really big, like really, really nice studio. And um, uh, I, I got there and I arrived and I was kind of you know, unpacking my laptop and, every, and I suddenly realized that I didn't have my external hard drive with me, which had like all my audio, oh, all my projects. Every, I'd ah. left it in my hotel room and they're kind of looking at me expectantly and I'm like, oh no. And thankfully, this happened to be like the one session uh, it was in Shibuya and this happened to be like the one session that was walking distance from my oh. hotel. Like I hadn't had to get a train. That so luck. I ran back to my hotel, but this was like this, there was a heat wave that it was October, but it was a weirdly warm October. You know, okay. it was, it was like August weather or something. So I ran back in this really hot heat. And of course that was the day that they were doing maintenance work on the lift in my hotel. Oh. So I had to literally like run up to the eighth floor to get to my room, to get the hard drive, to run back to the studio. Um, <laughs> and so there was, I was, hey guys, yeah, so just go, go, got the hard and, Sweating. And I'm kind of thinking, wow, I've really kind of blown it here. I just look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> thankfully, uh, they were pretty impressed with my work in the session so i i think i kind of won them round but there there must have been a moment where i think gosh we we got this guy over from england you know because we thought he was this great producer and he's, <laughs> he's an idiot. messed up out the gate no <laughs> i feel like those are the times when like you're you're just kind of pressured and like when you're in crunch time then things happen beautiful things can happen from it what about you willie i definitely try and keep it professional when i'm working especially being invited somewhere uh maybe like a cool world one i was working in um abbey road once doing a mastering session mm. and there was like so much hype around there's like orchestras milling around but it was like yeah. one of those ones where they weren't allowed to say anything i was like i put my nose in the door and like i think it's like a security guard like said you gotta get out of here it's like what are they doing what they're doing i said i can't say anything but basically like i am your father or something like that i was like Star Wars, okay, sick, sick, sick. So they were recording like the orchestra for Star Wars the same day oh, we're there, but obviously not allowed to say anything so that people don't know that there's a new movie. I think it's just before Seven came out, so like Whoa. the new trilogy was just like being launched. Uh, how does the surrounding vibe of your studio affect your work, if at all? Does it help to have other people around? I think so, definitely. I, I mean, I, I, I can work very happily like on my own. Uh, I, I mean, mm -hmm. like what working uh in this in a studio on my own or working at home on my own is not an unusual thing for me but i think with 
this global pandemic, you know, because that's become pretty much my only way of working. Yeah. I am really, really missing the, yeah, I think the interactions you have in the studio and that the inspiration that that sparks, just, just being in a room with other people and the, the energy that you vibe off and stuff, it's, it's a very different thing. And I am really sort of missing that. Um, I think I'm, I'm very, very grateful that we live in an age where we can work remotely and I can, I can mm, send somebody sure. a beat on the other side of the world and they can mm. send me back the top line and stuff. But yeah, I think, um, I think definitely keeping myself inspired and motivated has probably for me been like the biggest challenge in this whole kind of global pandemic situation with uh, not being around sense. other people. So I don't want to say that like, I always feel more inspired and like almost produce my best stuff when I'm around other people, even like people you don't know, because then there's mm -hmm. like, if, you know, you feel like you have to kind of raise your game if you're meeting new writers, especially when you travel as well. You feel like there's an added pressure of like needing to deliver. And yeah, that's a good thing that like, I think, I mean, I really enjoy that personally. And then just the fun of like vibing off someone and you're always getting like better melodies. And I, as even as a producer, I like to like throw out melodic ideas and this, most guys will be happy to throw like production ideas and again something that you might not you know ne you'd never have thought of if you were just on your own which is super cool and like way more fun but yeah as I said I'm also happy in my own company as well so are your working hours um affected at all by the COVID, COVID you know thing uh, obviously without traveling um being you know in your studio by yourself now um in those cases like are you working at random hours of the day or do you try to keep a routine at the beginning like they went crazy like almost like an explosion of songwriting because a lot of the songwriters that we were working with who might have been part-time or you know trying to do other stuff they were suddenly mm -hmm. home and like nothing to do apart from songwriting 24 7 so we had almost like you know a sea of writers to pick from and like at one point the publishers were like you know you stop sending us songs because there's like not enough going on to like True. deal with all this kind of thing <laughs> um so yeah like for me it definitely is like been amazing to be a producer at this time because there's been like still you know releases going on it definitely slowed down i felt like june july just because obviously um in asia as well they had to like slow it down a little bit and like a few things got pushed back right out so it's just kind of waiting for it to get back and it feels like it's definitely getting back to normal now as like the steady flow of briefs and stuff but mm -hmm. we can always be busy like creating new stuff that you know could be for the future and just stocking up on on them special little songs for the the unexpected moment you, you mentioned the word briefs what are what is that uh, so brief is what you get um sent by the um the label the a and r like briefing you on what they want um for the releases so they'll be really specific actually they'll give you like references so they'll send you like youtube links to existing songs saying want a little bit like this we want a top line to be a little like this and then here's some stuff that the band's done before and then they'll be like yeah this is what we want the single or you know this is what the b-side is going to be like and then we've got other slots mm. um so yeah we're constantly getting those through so you guys have worked with obviously a number of different k-pop labels um you know thinking of the sm uh, brand they are super heavy on vocals and like harmonizing and all that stuff mm. um how do you guys when it comes to a group that's like really great with their vocals like exo or um or just someone like Taeyeon who is just you know amazing singer in general how 
do you do you try to cater what you create towards like their voice or maximizing their voice uh compared to a group that maybe you know has okay vocals and maybe a few rappers and more it's about the sound and the vibe of the entire song if that makes sense yeah i think so i mean it it definitely um yeah you're 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 always when you're creating a track um you know from a brief and it's and you've got a particular group in mind yeah you're you're thinking about uh i mean a a group say that has loads of kind of vocals stacked and big vocal harmonies and stuff um if the instrumental is too busy there's there's going to be no room for that energy um so so yeah you de- you definitely think in the production about how yeah how how would there be room for this type of vocal or you know th- this type of way, a way of producing supports this type of vocal more um Oh, definitely, because the, the competition is so high and it's like almost such a saturated market where, you know, everyone can, you know, have a stab and so many people are sending songs to A&R. I think it's even got to the level now where you have to, like, submit a demo where it almost sounds like the band as well. So we'll be, like, picking vocalists from, you know, the people that we know that mm. sound like Taeyeon or if it's EXO that mm. have the sort of tone for them. If it's the more aggressive thing like Monster X, I couldn't, you know, send in a demo that, sounds too soft or you know like too sweet you need to find the guys that have that like right aggression for the raps and stuff like that so it's almost like going up a level from just creating a demo song you have to almost make it sound like each of the bands that you're submitting to so they hear it and they think yeah this is us we could do this like they're performing it like we want to like give them like the package of you know this is what you need this is what you should sound like I'm thinking of like a specifically Fantasia when Juhan or Juhani, he has that really intense, like, I got to fill. He says it like really intense. Whoever you, you know, got for that part, did you, did they say it just like that? Or was it like the, you know, they will change up a few things, if that makes sense. So Monster X, they always redo their raps. But um, yeah, the guy I wrote, the two guys I did the song with, um, yeah, they went in on the, energy as well so it was mm. like completely different flow and like different rhythm mm. but the energy was just as hard and then okay yeah juhani obviously just like redid all the lyrics and the timing and like his own flow but and probably went even harder i'd say on the energy as well which is cool uh, mm. yeah so they're like there's a yeah most most bands seem to do their own raps so you just need to like insert the vibe for them and for them to like exaggerate kind of thing yeah, that was what happened in that one. Interesting. I don't know how many times you've been interviewed before. How many times? Is it, no, is not first? many. <laughs> how many? No. Okay, okay. Even. No, like, I was just wondering, uh, because I don't know if you get the same questions that we always ask, but um, I was, we're curious, uh, what, what's a question that you wish people would ask you more? Like, what would interest you if somebody asked you, like, oh. Or, like, aspiring producers who are, like, trying to, you know, follow yeah. their path, I guess. I think when I was growing up, I used to always like, you know, the guys that you're spicy with, like Max Martin or Pharrell and those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. You just want to know like how to sound like them or even how to get close to like recreate things or create your own version of, you know, what they do. So I think for me, it's kind of a bit of a, um, what do you call it, a taboo, but like sharing the gear that you use. Mm-hmm. So obviously like people, I'll, if I'm listening to a podcast with like one of my favorite guys, I want to know what they're using, like the yeah, exactly, synths, yeah. like the plugins and stuff, which is the kind of the more geekier stuff, but it's, it's what, you know, like 
make a difference and like move you forward in your in your production and your career almost because like you know like okay I'm working on a level even if it's like unattainable and it's like gear that's worth like thousands of pounds you can like, like okay so they're dealing with like something that's out of my league but you know one day I can get there at least but, um, exactly yeah. yeah I think it's that kind of ballpark for me like just getting the inside into what they're actually doing because sometimes they keep it so like to their chest like, yeah. they even like make it up they're like they show you their computer but you know it's like nothing's like actually what they did on the track they're like yeah this is what i did and they just play the whole thing you're like oh help me out man uh, okay okay what about you uh geek boy it's a really good question and, and i'm i'm struggling to think of an answer like you know what what do i wish i had been asked i'm i'm not sure honestly um <laughs> how do you look so good bro where do you get your t-shirts from <laughs> Do you know what? That is genuinely a question that I wish people would ask me more. I'm so sometimes I will, I'll wear. Do you ever like? I I have certain T-shirts that I'll kind of put it on in the morning, thinking some somebody at some point today is definitely going to compliment me on this T-shirt. And then when it doesn't happen, it's just it's heartbreaking. It wrecks you. Um, <laughs> okay, so where did you get your T-shirt? <laughs> I think this one was from a website called So Scribbly or something. Um, so like we said, you guys have worked with, or you guys have mentioned, you guys, you know, you'll go on, you know, these trips to Asia from Seoul to, you know, Tokyo and then to Taiwan. Um, but you've done work within K-pop, but specifically for Japanese releases. Um, do those, is that musical process any different than just a K-pop song or album going out for the Korean audience? And if so, what is like, what are the differences? Um, yeah, I mean, my I've done a few bits, like, the, the, my BTS release was a Japanese one, and recently the Taeyeon single I just did was her latest Japanese release. And there's definitely a difference, like, the music's, like, way more musical, like, production, like, the, the kind of, like, the coolness is definitely, like, a few years back, which is all right. Mm. But um, you, you have to think about that as well. And, yeah, they're usually, like, a little bit more melodic and emotional feeling. Um, so yeah, and that's just like a generalization, but um, mm. yeah, that's what I found when when the artist definitely released something that feels a bit different. Yeah, I, I would agree I, with that. I'd say it, that like it is usually the music is a bit more kind of uh, melodic and stuff, but it's still it's still not as different as just like straight up J-pop because um, mm -hmm. because J-pop is like a, another difference again sure. for and that's so much more you, you can be so much more creative in terms of your Ooh. chord progressions and the, the kind of mad arrangement stuff that you put um in j-pop oh, really for sure yeah especially in k-pop and j-pop it's total it's really different when i think of j-pop i always just think of like uh anime type theme songs i guess yeah i think anime intros are more like j-rock i feel but, yeah. um, sometimes i will get briefs that say oh you know this is um this is going to be a tie-in with an anime or something like that um and and one one of the arashi songs that i uh produced was it what i don't know if it was i don't think it was actually used on one piece but the music video was all like one piece characters it was mm. it was like the members of arashi were like cartoon characters and they got like sucked into the world of one piece okay but Oh, that's cool. So you, had to, you had to get that vibe of like a one piece kind of vibe. So then are you working with like Universal Music Japan or are you still working with 
like it, let's say you're doing a k-pop release or i mean obviously if you're working with a j-pop artist like is it normally those large universal music type labels or they're like the groups labels themselves johnny's is one of the biggest labels that we've been working with recently right now oh. mm-hmm. yeah yeah um we've worked with johnny's but we've worked with mission um mm. we've worked with a lot most of them are not actually worth a bigger i mean they might be like affiliate they might be underneath universal at some point but um mm-hmm. yeah that we are usually working with their derivatives like the smaller like well they're not small they're huge companies and huge bands but um, mm. Is there any like a uh, difference between making music for an established group versus a rookie group? Like let's say Monster X versus Gravity? Oh man. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, I think with the um, rookie groups, you find out, um, I think the labels, it's almost like you're just shooting all like your best songs and they're just looking for a song that's like an undeniable smash. It's just going to like mm-hmm. grab everyone's attention. Yeah, they're probably still like, they probably have a good idea of like the branding of the band, but they're still just going to like sharpen it, you know, the next few releases. So it's almost like it feels like a free for all. Like you can just send them mm-hmm. your best tunes and then obviously they'll jump on whatever's great. But I find that's quite difficult, obviously, because then, you know, there's nothing to go on. You don't know what they sound like or what they look like and, mm-hmm. you know, what their branding is. So that's almost a little bit harder, I think. Whereas, like, an existing, you know, for me, Monster X, you know exactly what they're going to want. Um, probably the harder thing with that is finding what's next for their journey when they've already done, like, so much music and, like, not stopping, stepping on the toes of other songs, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, quite a challenge if they've done, like, five albums and... They usually reference stuff that they've done before of their own music. So you're like, well, can't just copy that. And I find like usually the best thing you can do is like just give them what they didn't know they needed, which is like mm. our kind of little game usually just to like, like I was telling you about the briefs, just to look at that and um, yeah, just kind of think about how can we come in at, at the side and like give them something that would work for the band that no one else is doing because mm. they're going to get like a hundred of the same songs. So yeah. let's send them something that is slightly different. But, mm. Yeah, which is how it kind of works for us. What's really tough as well is occasionally when you get, um, I've, I've had this occasionally, I'm sure you have as well, Willie, like when you get a brief and literally one of the references is one of your songs that you produced for them previously. Nah, I don't get that one, bro. That's just you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's hard. It's like, well, what do I do? Like, I can't just do like another version of what I did because it'll just be a not as good version of the thing I did before. So Yeah, that's mm. what I'm saying. That's when you need to like give them something different and reinvent the wheel on this. It's really hard. Right? That's interesting. Like thinking specifically recently enough with, uh, with SF9, I'm thinking back to like Now or Never, and then they went into like uh like a kind of they had two other songs that are singles that came out after that and then they had good guy which was kind of similar to now or never that sort of edm or what's it called dance song sort of thing and maybe like if it they were right after the other it would have would have have hit as hard but i think a lot of people really like those two songs for like what they were and like how different but like True. similar they were too that's interesting um thinking about you know rookie groups and how and i wonder like if if what it's like to when you know that you're pitching or you're sending things in for an a new iteration or like sub unit of a group um like we mentioned xo cbx like you know Mm -hmm. they we know that xo is staffed with these vocals but they're doing something different with three of the members like um Mm -hmm. how do you 
you know, make sure that it's different enough, but like still uh, on brand. You know, on yeah, brand. They're on brand, yeah. Like, I love the um, NCT like derivatives as well, um, mm-hmm. like the Dream thing, which obviously they're kind of like similar, but then they'll like break into like the more like R and B kind of like hip hop yeah. side of things, like slightly softer, cooler, but still with this, you know, swaggy beats and all that. I just think like. Yes, like I was saying, you just find the elements that are true to like the band. I think a lot of it's in the vocal. That almost keeps it like the consistency. Like they're always going to sound the same because they can't change their voices. So then you just like take a few things and like tweak those to like put it in that new branch where it's like they go a bit harder, they go a bit more trappy rap, like with the EXO, um, CVX thing or that NCT Dream. Like I was saying, you kind of then have to like go to that new near soul kind of thing and like find mm. your chords and stuff like that so it's a lot of fun and that's why there's like there's so much freedom in k-pop because you can like almost hit any kind of genre or sub-genre and there'll be a place for the song because they've got like, everything covered so i feel like that there are a lot it's a lot more sort of genre blind in asia like you can i mean this is this is what people love about k-pop is like you can have a song that's like a kind of totally happy bubblegum pop tune and then it sort of goes into mm like an insane hard trap drop with all 808s and uh, mm, yeah. you can you can mash genres together in a way that you um you just couldn't really in the west and that's why i think it's so much fun for producers like me and willie um it's funny because when, when you were talking just then i was thinking about like because i'm pretty sure my first k-pop cut was um an xocbx japanese release okay. um so um it kind of ties together some of the things you say about like a subgroup of a group and it's a Japanese release. Yeah. And I th- but it was a few years ago now when um, like kind of future bass, that whole kind of big stabs chords thing was still quite sort of novel yeah, in yeah. K-pop. So, so that was kind of, my, it was like, well, I can, I can do something that would feel like it would work as an EXO track, but I can bring in the, the future bass elements. And um, so I guess that was my approach with that one. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that is like a new subunit Japanese release and a lot of elements, new things to consider. But that's um, sometimes that's one of the sort of, it's the hidden, I don't know if you find this, Willie, but like if you're, if you're trying to solve those types of problems, sometimes it's, if it's like, oh, what, what should this pre-chorus bit sound like? Or what should this chorus sound like? It's like, well, I've never heard this genre and this genre before, and yeah. I feel like I could make this work. So, um, <laughs> Instead of thinking like, oh, you know, approaching this like a Western song, it's like, mm-hmm. what would this yeah. chorus sound like if it's like a standard trap R&B song? It's like, no, what if the, the verse was that, but what if, would the chorus sound like if it was something totally different? Yeah. It's like you're saying, Dre, as well, that the element surprise, man, you need to have yeah. that as well. So they just don't get, you know, too doled out in the, on the song, like check out, you want to like suddenly smack them with a bit of like <laughs> grunge rock and then back to your trap or something. Be crazy, yeah. I'm pretty sure I heard that in K-pop once or twice. <laughs> just like threw me off. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think those are the best though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. So what producers have inspired you all? That's a really good question. Um, Great question. I, I mean, like growing up, I was always super into like dance, electronic sort of music. So like the Prodigy, Orbital, that sort of like um like 90s british dance music um and and i think 
I, th I think you can, there are definitely tracks I've done for Asia where you can hear some of those influences. Um, like more recently, like a lot, I'm re really into all that kind of uh, sort of like happy kawaii Dofflin type future bass music, all the kind of blog music that um, mm -hmm. people kind of would start with people like Re Wave Racer and Cosmos Midnight and people like that. And uh, yeah, those types of producers, but uh, I, 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 uh, and video games as well. Like, like we were saying, mm -hmm. like I definitely think I'm as influenced by video game soundtracks that I played when I was a kid as the music from, you know, on the radio growing up and stuff. Mm -hmm. Nice. For me, like, I'm really thankful. I grew up listening to like a lot of old songs like Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin and then like more geeky music like Tower of Power and Stevie Dan, which was like my organically, like I learned to play instruments and stuff. And then the producers wise, it was like I was saying before, just got, and captured by yeah guys like Pharrell who used to do that with like NERD where they used to do like mm -hmm. the band thing and flip it up with like yeah and obviously like crazy top like like um, songs and beats and stuff and then from following on from that I definitely had like a pop obsession so you know like Max Martin's kind of like number one for that because he can work with anyone you wouldn't know it was him then I had that there's like this problem where you want to do like everything you do well not be like trying to do every different genre not properly and mm. there was a guy called um fraser t smith who's like the master of mm. doing that where he like he'll do something with like stormzy and it'd be like the hardest most like authentic like grime you know like yeah. hard beats and you just like damn this is like killing me and uh, you look at the credits it's like oh it's fraser t smith like damn and then you like go to like some sweet like pop you know taylor swift thing you're like who did this this is amazing it's like oh, i was very sweet. And the same with max Martin. Wow. like happened like all the way through like me like the songs that have like flipped me out on the radio it's like ellie golding or all these mm -hmm. kind of you know when they put a good song out it's always been max Martin and, and just like reinventing themselves like staying up to date but then obviously the obsession with details and like yeah just guys that like, really inspire me so Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, Geek Boy, you mentioned that you're a gamer, and um, Wendy was wondering, um, have you played Among Us or any other games lately? <laughs> the new games? Yeah. No, the, um, the, the last game I bought was Mario 3D All-Stars, um, mainly for the nostalgia of, of getting mm, to play Mario 64 again. Like a lot of people in, like I spent a, a big chunk of the, the early months of lockdown uh just playing a lot of animal crossing but that's that's a <laughs> animal crossing is kind of like an all or nothing game and it almost became kind of a bit of a full-time job so there was there was a certain there was a certain point i mean i got i went in hard i got into like turnip trading and oh, yeah. yeah yeah there's a whole stock market in there yeah there's like what there's like websites that will use algorithms to predict the the price of your turnips and stuff but there, yeah, yeah there was it? a certain point where i suddenly realized that it become a bit too much like hard like waking up every morning to like <laughs> run around my island banging rocks and stuff there you and go then, yeah. <laughs> and then the last of us 2 came out and, uh, yeah. and that kind of derailed my uh my animal crossing for a bit i just got obviously because that ge that game was incredible um, yeah did you like last of us too 
like the whole game itself. Yeah, I thought there's mixed reviews. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was. I mean, the, the the gameplay itself is really really good. It's the great, story yeah. elements, I can definitely see why they upset some people. It's funny. People, I yeah. I almost wonder if I need to play it again because I I I don't know if I fully decided whether I liked it or not. But there there's mm. def definitely like there's characters where your sympathies shift and you're like oh gosh i you know i really liked this character and i feel like you're yeah. doing some quite unpleasant things i'm trying to be vague because i don't want to ruin it for anyone who might not have yeah, played it don't want to spoil there, it too much <laughs> but there was definitely a bit towards the end of the game where you're supposed to fight someone and the first time i just didn't like i just let the, the other character beat me up and kill mm. me because i was like i i don't want to fight you oh yeah i thought what they were trying to do but yeah yeah i'm guessing you didn't love it i mean i only seen it like one i think i didn't i didn't play it that's why i have <laughs> but i saw my friends play it like on stream i was like shocked the whole time i was like oh man <laughs> it kind of it kind of messed with me i might still play it though because it, it intrigues me interesting i didn't i guess i know the storyline and now i'm thinking about it you're right i, I believe you're it's an accurate mm. depiction no but I, I like the game i always like that series i love i love the producers naughty dog mm. i mean all, all their games look incredible they're just they're works Uncharted. of art uh okay but oh we have one last question um for both of you guys um from wendy how did you guys find how did you find your sound like after being inspired by everybody else, how did you figure out your sound that works for you? That's a good question. I think for me, um, it's de it definitely something about um, the particular chord progressions. And, and it's interesting. A lot of the feedback that I get, uh, one of the consistent things that a lot of songwriters and, and top liners will say to me is like, oh, you always have, you know, really great chords or whatever. And so... Um, I, I think, yeah, try, trying to trying to get in the more sort of, you know, sevenths and ninths and stuff. Not not like necessarily into every song because it's not always appropriate. But I think definitely having those slightly more jazzy chord progressions is one of the things that I think for, for me was kind of key. Um, and and again, like I mean, I sound like a broken record, but yeah, the, I think the the video game influences in the and the sort of thinking about music in a slightly more narrative way um, of like, you know, how does it make you feel or how would this, how, how mm -hmm. would this work as a video game soundtrack? Does it evoke a certain emotion or whatever? Mm -hmm. Okay. What about you, Willie? Definitely for me, it's been a bit of a long one just because of, like I was saying, the mismatch of like being able to play different things. I mean, I think it's always like been that mismatch of like programs, sounds and like, live instruments but i think like i've probably found in the last couple of years i found my special happy place which is like the really angry like aggressive music like it's <laughs> probably why the monster x things works and like my yeah publisher makes me laugh because he's like you're such a chill guy like you're so quiet and like when i speak to you you're so calm and it's like and then you send me these beats and they're like so angry and like loud and like it's like, it's like my yeah my alternative like personality kind of hey. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I really love making that kind of music as well, and it's like really fun to make, let it all loose in the studio. Yeah, 
that's your cathartic release, maybe. Um, I think this has been a great interview, a great conversation. Um, can you guys sure. tell everyone where they can find you on social media and find your work if you have like a content page as well? But yeah, social media mainly. Yeah, well, my, mine yeah. are all pretty easy because uh, all of the social medias, I'm just at Geek Boy Music. So Instagram, Twitter, um, soundcloud.com slash geekboymusic facebook.com slash geekboymusic and i'm on spotify geekboy instagram and twitter i'm just at willy weeks and then if you want more information for your like, website willyweeksmusic.com well that's it for in my feels i'm jre i'm emily i'm willy weeks i'm geekboy and, and see uh, you guys later bye thank you <laughs>